0: Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CFEastBernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity, known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content.
1: As uh, we've already heard, the Medina shared with us this morning. Today is the third Sunday in Advent, and it's that time of the Christian year where we look forward with anticipation to the certainty the truth that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return, and he's going to make all things right And as he establishes his kingdom here on earth. And we've been looking the last few weeks at how Jesus' presence with us as Emmanuel should change us. And we've been looking at the words of Advent, words like hope, peace, joy, and love, and how they should be evident in us if we truly have experienced the presence of Christ. A few weeks ago, for example, we looked at how the hope we have as God's children is that our gloom, the gloom of sin, has been removed. And Jesus, his life, gives us a light as an example for how we're supposed to live this life. And then last week, we looked at how the shepherds responded to the gospel message that God was making peace with mankind. And today... We're going to look at how Mary was filled with joy when she was given the news that she would carry the Son of God in her womb. And if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and you're more than welcome to start turning there. But as you do that, I want to ask you a question. Why is it that you give your children gifts at Christmas? Now, this is not a trick question. I'm not trying to trap you or make you feel guilty in any way. But what is it? Why is it that we give our kids presents on Christmas Day? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we love them. We love them. Anything else? Well, I, I don't know about for you, but for me, it's the idea that I love seeing my kids smiling faces when they open that one thing that they had to have. Um, you know, it, it makes us feel all warm and bubbly when we, we see that they are happy. The only problem, and we know this, is that that one thing that they had to have, it, it's it's going to be temporary, and it's only going to keep them happy until that next big thing that they have to have comes along. You know, when they were little, it was the action figure, or maybe it was the dollhouse, but now... Everyone knows what they want. It's that iPhone 15 or 16 or 17 or wherever we're at. Well, this morning, as we look at Mary's song, we're going to see that happiness and joy are not the same thing at all. Let's start reading together in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant." From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with His arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Okay, so Gabriel, the angel of God, comes to Mary with the news that she is going to be the bearer of the Savior, that she is going to carry God's own son. And that God is choosing her to bear the very son of God. And the first question, I mean, this is the most natural question that we have. why this girl? Now, you remember when you were younger and uh, kind of like elementary age, and you would have recess out on the playground, maybe out on the blacktop, right? And you were going to play dodgeball. And there was always the two, there was two team captains, right? Always two that would be chosen to kind of be the team captains. And then they would start choosing one after the other. Okay, I'm going to do this person, I'm going to do this person. And you always knew in your mind that one person that was going to be the first one picked, Like in my mind, it's my friend Colin. Colin was always going to get picked. He had a great arm. He was athletic and agile. He could dodge the balls, right? He was always going to be the first one picked. Why Mary? Why Mary? She's not the one that you would probably pick. She's not the first one to be picked if this is a game going on. So why in the world her. And truth is, the Gospels don't even really give us a good understanding as to why. Luke and Matthew, they they don't really give us an explanation as to why Mary is the one that she gets the unique honor of carrying Jesus. The truth is, she's just an ordinary girl. She's probably a teenager of around 14 or 15 years old, and she's from a very small, small farming town, which is about 15 miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee. She wasn't from a royal family. She wasn't wealthy. There's absolutely nothing special about this girl. In fact, it's quite the opposite. She's just a normal Jewish girl. Some of you might remember this classic contemporary Christmas Christian song from the the 90s. I'm dating myself a little bit. Called A Strange Way to Save the World by For Him. And it's hard for me not to think about the lyrics of this song when I think about Mary. So I want you to hear these lyrics. And standing at the manger, he saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come to life. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Now I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way to save the world. Why her? Why Mary? I think the Apostle Paul tells us. First Corinthians chapter 1, here's what he says. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God loves to use the people that no one would think he could to do what only he can do. You know what, maybe you walked in here this morning, and that's kind of how you feel. You're feeling like, I, I'm nobody. God can't use me. I, you know, I, I'm nothing. I, I, don't, I don't have a seminary degree. I, I don't know the Bible like other people do. I, I, I just, really, i I'm nothing. I want to tell you something. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. He wants to use you if you have the same thing that he saw in Mary. A willing heart. That's all she had. There was nothing special about her. Just the fact that she was willing. The fact that her response said, yes. Yes, Lord. And any of us in here, any of us in here can have that. We can be the ones that God uses. Now, before I keep going, I, really want to, I think it's important that I stop um, to make sure that we understand something here. Because as Christians, we trust the Bible when it says that Mary was a virgin when all this happens. Okay? Um, I mean, we, we wouldn't think that it would make sense that the Savior of the world, the Son of God, that he would be born in any other way except for something miraculous, right? But believe it or not, there are, uh, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not Mary actually was a virgin when she became pregnant. There's a lot of scholars out there that'll teach that it really wasn't the Son of God, that this is actually just Joseph's son, um, and then this, the scriptures are kind of embellished for our sake. And that's what a lot of scholars will teach. But I want to say this, at Community Fellowship, we affirm that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Amen. And that the, in the original manuscripts, they are without error. They are errorless. So when we read in both Matthew and Luke, and by the way, there's a lot of details that are really trying to say, hey, she was a virgin. If you go back and look at that, it's like over and over again. It's not just one time. There's many times where they're trying to make sure we understand that they did not have a physical union until Jesus was born. They're trying to make that very clear for us. So we believe when the scripture says that she was a virgin, we believe that wholeheartedly from God's word. And some of you might ask this question. You might be like, why does that matter? James, why does that matter that she was a virgin? Is that really that important anyway? Yes. Here's why, okay? Because for Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice that we needed him to be to take away our sin, he cannot have the guilt of sin in him. He cannot be guilty of sin. And so as Christians, we believe that we aren't just sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Hopefully that makes a little sense. We have inherited the guiltiness of sin through Adam. Listen to what Paul says. This is Romans 5. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men. So all of us are born sinners. And therefore, we sin. In other words, I do what I am. You and I are sinners. We were born into sin. Jesus could not be for him to be the perfect sacrifice that we needed for him to be. We needed for him not to have the condemnation of death. Now, here's what's more remarkable. He's born without sin because he is born as God's son, not Joseph's. Okay? But then he has to choose not to sin for the rest of his life. He has to make that conscious decision. So in that regard, he becomes the new Adam. He's given the choice. And so he becomes the new Adam for us and thankfully for you and I, he did. He was completely obedient to the Father. He was completely dependent on God his entire life. So he is the perfect and unblemished sacrifice for our sins. That's why that piece of the theology of Christmas is so important. Okay, so back to this scene. Okay? So can you just imagine Mary here, you're, you're trusting the angel's word that you are going to be the bearer of God's son, and that you're going to help accomplish the mission of saving the world by, by birthing this child. Okay, But there's only one problem. You're engaged to be married, and the child that you're carrying doesn't belong to that man. That, that's not good. Joseph had every right through Jewish law to stone her. He could have killed her because of what had happened. Enter angel, Joseph's on board. All right? But still, imagine the ridicule. Imagine as you're coming into Nazareth together, this woman that's pregnant before marriage. Again, completely socially unacceptable. And it's this small town, y'all. It is a very small town. Nazareth is small. Like you think EB is small? Nazareth's like a fifth of EB. He's okay. real small, okay? So word got around real quick, and I can just imagine as they're walking through town, you have those older ladies who are giving that look like, mm. <laughs> "Did you hear? Oh, I heard." <laughs> right? You've got the old man just going, oh, "What is that young man thinking?" And then you've got friends that are like, "Are you guys really gonna do this? You're, you re- like, you serious? Like?" You know like you're going to be kind of shunned in this community, right? You know that that's what's going to happen. It wasn't the easiest of circumstances for Joseph and Mary. Yet God had led them there. God had brought them to that place. And it's here that, in this idea of difficult circumstances that I kind of want to camp out for just a second, okay? Because you see, our definition of joy often gets conflated with the definition of happiness, with our idea of happiness. We associate the two with each other, but that's not quite the way it is in Scripture. It's clear that in the Bible, they are not one and the same. Happiness is dependent on our circumstances. That's why we can say when they get the Christmas gift, kids are happy. But then a few minutes later, they're not happy, right? But joy is not about our circumstances at all. Joy is not dependent upon what's going on around us. It's not impacted by that. Joy is not dependent at all on us at all. It's not dependent on us. Joy is dependent upon the character of God. Our joy is dependent upon his character. So, despite the rumors that are swirling around for Mary and Joseph, and despite the dirty look, looks that they're getting, despite even the threat that some people might have for her to go through death for her, what has happened, Mary has joy. She has this deep and settling joy. And I want us to look quickly at Mary's response in what's commonly called the Magnificat. It's her prayer of response, the song of response And I want us to see a couple of things here because I think those who are filled with joy are actually filled with two other things. And I want to look at those things. Okay, so she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Listen, after all that we have just talked about, that she is going through, just imagine. Ask yourself this question Would you have been able to have joy? Would you have been able to have joy in that moment where you know this is the life that I'm about to face? I'm certainly going to face. Mary is proof, like we just said, that joy is not about our circumstances. She's proof of that. So if you came in here this morning and you're finding joy in anything else other than a relationship with God, our Savior, you are going to be disappointed. Because you cannot find joy in anything except for the character of God. He is the only one who can fill you with that kind of joy. So then she says this. She says, he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So if you want to experience real joy, you are going to have to allow yourself to be humbled. You're going to have to allow yourself to be humbled. So if you're the king of your castle If you're the the old poem, the master of your fate, you won't have joy. Because joy isn't found in you, it's only found in God. And that's what Mary knows. And that's why her response is characteristic, probably the most humble response that we could ever give to God I am the Lord's servant. She's literally saying this, God, I'm your slave. Do with me what you want. I'm your slave. Those filled with joy are also filled with humility. They recognize it's not about anything they can bring except, like we said, that humble and willing heart. They aren't their own, and they know that. Listen to how Paul puts it. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. See, humility means not claiming anything as your right. You know what I mean? We're Westerners. This is what we do. Well, I have this right, and that's my right. It's my right to do that. If we're following Jesus, we humble ourselves and give away all those rights because we say it's all about you. Because sometimes we think about this. When we trusted in Jesus, we think that we just we get one thing. But really, it's, it's a two-for-one deal. Okay, You don't just get a Savior. You get a Lord. It's the way it works. In salvation, it is not just, hey, he saved me from hell, from sin, I'm good. No, it's a two-for-one deal. He is Lord and Savior. Which means you belong to him. He tells you what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be, who you're even supposed to date. That is his job because he is your Lord. He bought you at the price so that you would be his. And we fight so hard against this idea. Again, it's that Western part of us that, you know, we just, we can't, we can't do it. That's just not us. We're so independent. We're we're, we're fiercely independent as Westerners. But that flies in the face of what it means to follow Jesus because following Jesus is about being dependent upon him. It's about depending on Jesus, keeping in step with him, or as Paul would later say, keeping in step with the Spirit. So to have lasting joy and not just happiness, you're going to be humble. You're going to be humble. Okay, so we saw last week how Praise is a response of having peace with God. We saw the shepherds as they re- responded and after they'd gone and seen Christ and then they went and told everybody that night about what they had experienced, they go back to being shepherds with the sheep and they are just singing praises constantly. And, and truthfully, throughout God's word, that's, that's exactly what happens a lot of times for people's response when God does something in their life. They sing a song of praise. For example, Miriam she sings, when they get across the Red Sea, she sings this incredible song about how God has delivered them across the Red Sea. They're no longer slaves in Egypt. He has put the rider and the horse in the sea, is what she says. And then Hannah, years later, she's asking God for a child, for a son. And God says, I promise you, you will have a son by this time next year. And she responds with this beautiful song. And then the Psalms, the Psalms are songs filled with God's people responding to what God had done, David, time and time again, talking about the character of God and, and who God is. So, Mary's song here, it's not unusual. It's not uncharacteristic for a Jewish person to respond in a song like this. But what is uncharacteristic is how many times in this brief little song that she quotes the Old Testament. Twelve different times in this brief song, she quotes. The Old Testament. And the only way that her song of joy could be filled with so many quotes is that she's also filled with something else God's Word. She is filled with God's Word. Think about it. Her heart is overwhelmed. And it's filled with a swelling gratitude that, that not only has God chosen her, but the Savior of the world, the Messiah that they have been waiting on for 400 years, he is about to enter into their world. And so she can't contain the joy that is coming out of her and the words that fly out of her mouth. What are they? What are the thoughts that are made vocal? God's word. God's word, God's promises. God's promises. Is that your first response to a situation? Is that the thing that you think about when you're going through something? See, people filled with joy are also the ones who are filled with God's Word. They're filled with God's Word. Back when I was in youth ministry, um, I always loved doing hands-on illustrations For the students. It was just a way to be able to kind of connect them to the scripture, for them to be able to visualize things. And one of my favorite things to do is that I would play a game that was called the blindfolded fruit challenge. And so what I would do is I would just choose a couple of just regular fruits, apples, bananas, oranges, and I would put them in front of some contestants and then I'd blindfold them and have them come out and sit down at the table where the fruit was. And I would say, okay, listen, I bet you can't guess what fruit you're about to eat. And they would say, oh, okay, this is going to be a good challenge. It's going to be some exotic, unique fruit that I've never had before. Okay, And so then they would kind of feel it a little bit and each one of them, this kind of this puzzled look on their face kind of came over their face. And then I'd say, like, okay, go ahead and eat it. And they'd take a bite, and an even more puzzled look would kind of come over their face. And so then one by one, I'd take off the blindfold, and I'd say, oh, I'd ask them first, I'd say, what do you think that it is? And they'd say, it's an apple. And I'd say, remove your blindfold. And they'd be like, it's an apple. They were kind of off-put by the fact that I had just put regular fruit in front of them. But here's the truth. A fruit, you know what kind of fruit it is because of the way it smells, because of the way it feels, because of the way it tastes. Here's the thing. Jesus says the same thing about our lives. He says this. He says, by their fruit... Do you have love, joy, peace, hope? Are these the things that are part of who you are? By your fruit, you will recognize them. Because here's the thing. Whatever you're filled with is the thing that will come out of you in difficult situations. Whatever you're filled with is going to come out of you in difficult situations. Is it going to be God's word? Which undeniably, is going to turn you into this incredible and infectious joy. If you're filled with God's word and you know the promises of God, you can't help but have undefinable joy because he has given you every good thing. And you know that he is a keeper of his word and he is a keeper of his promises. Now look back at the beginning of Mary's song. I want you to see last little thing. Where is her joy rooted? Where does it come from? Again, it's not herself. We said that it didn't come from us. It's not her circumstances. It's not even in the privilege that she's going to have in carrying Jesus as her son. That's not what she says. She says, I rejoice in God, my Savior. So even the very one who is going to carry the Son of God recognizes that she needs a Savior. She recognizes that she needs a Savior, that her sin had separated her from God. We are all in that same place. Our sin separated us from God, and that is why Christ came. That's what Christmas is about. It's a beautiful story. It's a sweet story about a sweet little snuggly baby wrapped up, but the truth is that baby was born so that he would go to the cross and suffer and die in our place for our sin. That's the real meaning of Christmas. That's the story of Christmas. That he came so we no longer had to be separated from God, but that we can have a relationship with him and be filled with the type of joy that Mary experiences here. So if you're here today, and you have never trusted in what Christ has done for you on the cross, I can think of no better time than today and right now to make sure that you understand that truth, that you make him not just Savior, but you make him Lord. For others of us in here that we've trusted in Jesus, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. What are you filled with? What are you filled with? Is it humility that says, Lord, I don't belong to myself? I belong to you, and whatever you want me to do, I will do it. I am yours. Is his word always on your tongue? In every circumstance, are you able to proclaim God's word over your circumstances and your situations? Or maybe it's your friends. Maybe they're going through difficult and hardships. Can you proclaim God's word over that? Because they need it just as much. The word of God gives life. That's what he does. He's a life giver. And finally, do you find yourself overwhelmed with joy because God has chosen to save you? All of us in here, we talked about this last week, that has to be our response. Overwhelming joy, overwhelming gratitude to where our hearts just sing. Maybe this morning as we close out together, Maybe that's all you need to do is you just need to tell him how grateful you are that he chose you. That his love extended to you and that he chose you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the incredible picture that Mary is for us of what it looks like to submit to you as our God. That it's not about what we want but it's about us saying the very words she said. Let it be as you say. Father, that's what we want. As those who have Jesus as Lord of our life, we want to say that to you. We surrender to you. What you want is what we desire. We belong to you. Use us, Jesus, we pray. In your name, amen.
0: If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.